Hey everyone, this is Chris Vaught, and I'd like to welcome you all to the Pursuit Podcast, where our passion is to inspire and equip you with biblical truths as you pursue after the heart of God. As we look into the hope that we have as believers in Christ, we see the promise of God, a promise that permeates every area of our life, the promise of eternal life. And with this eternal life, we also have the responsibility to share this hope with others. That's today's topic as we go into episode eight of The Pursuit with a hope that's eternal. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to go with me this morning to the book of Colossians for just a moment, I want to tell you my heart is very stirred about what I'm going to share with you over the next few moments. My heart is so stirred because if there's a message that encompasses everything we are as believers, it's this message. If there's a reason I have hope for these graduates in their future, it's because of this message. Not, not my sermon. I'm talking about the message from the Bible, okay? So make sure we got that right because I'm not that good. That the Word is. The reason I have hope for uh, the future of our church is because of what the topic is. May I say it that way, that we're going to talk about here today. Somebody shout amen. That's a little better preacher, right? And and I want you to understand that this message we're going to talk about that God gives us in his word is the reason you still got breath in your body. Those of you who are Christians, those of you who follow Jesus, you got breath in your body. Shout, I'm here. Look at two people and tell them I'm glad about it too. Because if you know you didn't have air, you couldn't be here, right? So it's, it's good to be here and it's good to have air breathing, right? And God has this incredible plan. And, and I want you to know this is the reason why we have a church. And this is the reason we pray over one another and the reason we study the Bible and what we believe in. It all comes back to this. Ultimately, no matter what we talk about, it always comes back to this. It's a hope that every person in our world wants. No matter who they are, I can tell you, I've never met a person yet who doesn't want the hope that we're going to talk about today. We're in an anchor series. We're talking about anchored to hope. And the hope I want to talk to you about today is is what everybody wants. It's what everybody desires. But it's not what everyone has. The hope I want to talk to you about today is what every person wants. Whether they believe in God or don't believe in God, they want this hope. But not everyone has it. And once we understand it, we see why after we become a Christian, God's not done with you yet, and he has a plan, and his plan is more than just how much money you can raise over a lifetime or how big of a retirement plan you can develop, and it's bigger than how much clothes you can buy or what restaurants you eat at or how many places around the world you travel to see. It's bigger than all of that. And it sums up our value and who we are and why we are who we are and what God has called us to do. And I want to tell you, it influences the most influential people on this planet. Take your Bibles. Go with me. uh, Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read four verses, 3, 4, 5, and 6. We're going to break it down. uh, And most of every point I give you today is going to come out of this passage. If you're there, Colossians, shout, I'm there. Here we go. Let's read it together. Beginning at verse 3, Paul is writing to this church in Coloss, and here's what he says. He says, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. 
For we have heard. Somebody shout, he's heard. You got your pen? Ready, right? You want to underline that. He had heard. He said, for we have heard. What has he heard? He said, I've heard about your faith in Christ Jesus. I've heard about your love for all the saints. And look at verse 5, and here's the theme of the, of the passage today, right? Here's the theme of the message. Verse 5, read it with me. Because of the, what's the next word? Circle it. What is it? Hope. And where is this hope? It is reserved for you in heaven. What is the hope that everyone in the world wants? Whether they believe in God or don't believe in God, what does everybody come to the end of their life hoping for? They hope that there really is something beyond the grave, a place for them in eternity, a place called heaven. I've never met anyone who at their core doesn't hope there really is a place called heaven, that there really is an eternity. I've never been to a funeral, no matter how wicked that person was, that they didn't try to give hope and that everybody talked about, well, I hope they're better off. I hope they're in a better place. Well, at least their pain is gone. Everybody hopes in eternity. But it's my responsibility to tell you not everyone who hopes for it has it. And I want you to continue reading and you'll understand why. Because this hope is reserved for you in heaven, you who have already heard, somebody shout heard, heard about this hope, what kind of hope? Hope of eternal life. And when did they hear the hope? How do you hear the word of hope? The word of hope comes from the word of truth. And the word of truth is distinguished as, what's the next two words? Say it with me and circle it. The gospel. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news that God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Who has the hope of heaven? Those who put their trust in Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, this hope is how you are born again. And now we'll notice what Paul goes on to write. And he says that this has come to you and it's bearing fruit. Now watch this. It's bearing fruit. It's growing all over the world just as it has among you since when? Underline this. Since the day you heard it and you came to truly appreciate God's grace. You got your worship guide out. You got your outline there. Here's, here's what I want to talk to you about today. And I want to talk to you about this hope we have, and, and, and the very first point on your outline, it'll kind of help sum this up for you. The hope that we have, the hope that the church is to preach to the world, the hope that these graduates can have today, the hope that you can have no matter what you face in life, is this, everyone longs for a hope that is eternal and reserved up in heaven. Everyone longs for this. There was a man in England, his name was uh, Solomon Peeth, and he thought he'd have a little fun before he died, and so he went and had his own grave marker made, and he had this little inscription put on it, and here's the inscription as people would walk by his tombstone. It says, here beneath this sod and beneath these trees lies the body of Solomon Pease. You like that? Watch this. Here lies 
Solomon pees. But this ain't pees, it's just his pod. Pees shelled out and went to God. Everybody wants to believe that they've got hope in heaven and hope of eternal life, right? But I need you to understand the reason the gospel is so important that you and I live by it and the reason why our first core value as a church here at Connection Point is we are motivated by eternity is because though everyone wants this hope, most people in our world don't have it. And the reason they don't have it is because someone hasn't told them convincingly enough for them to understand or it hasn't come true to them yet that we have a hope beyond the grave and it's all tied up to the fact that Jesus Christ came up out of the grave and when Jesus came out of the grave, he gave this promise that whoever puts their trust in him shall have eternal life. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ came out of the grave? And how many of you believe that a person who truly gives their life to Christ receives salvation and thus they are RSVP'd in heaven? How many of you have ever RSVP'd for a party? Some of you have. Some of you have been trying to get me to RSVP to your party. I, I was looking last night at our graduation party uh, things that, that we got in the mail. Me and my wife were going over them, seeing which ones that our calendar is going to let us go to or not go to. And so, you know, they asked for you to RSVP. Now, how many know if you RSVP for a party, when you arrive, you expect your name to be on the ledger? Here's the power of the gospel. The Bible says that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord, the same shall be saved. Look at verse 5 here in Colossians chapter 1 again. Look at verse 5, and here's what Paul says. Paul says in verse 5, I hear about you in verse 4. I hear of your faith. I hear of your love. I, I, and I hear of this hope that's reserved for you. Verse 5, this hope that is reserved for you in heaven, it is reserved. That is, they've already given their life to Christ. And the moment you give your life to Christ, you are RSVP'd into heaven. And now you can have a hope that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. It is all tied up in your faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus died for you. Jesus bled for you on the cross. Jesus came out of the grave for you. And when you receive him by grace, you can have hope. I had a dear saint one time in the church say to me, oh, I hope I can make it. I said, sweetheart, God wants you not to hope you can make it. He wants you to have a no-so you're going to make it. And the hope in the Bible is a certain expectation. And you can know today that your name is reserved in heaven if you put your trust in Jesus Christ. How many believe that's true today? I hope and pray you know this is to be true because this is what the scripture says. You can have a hope reserved in heaven. And that's why we love these verses, right? We love to talk about heaven. Revelation 21, I put it there on your outline. You've probably read this before. Or you've heard this preached. Revelation 21, let's read it all out loud together. Here's what God promises for those of us who go to heaven. Here's what he says. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Somebody shout, that's a good day. Death will be no more. Shout, it's getting better. Grief and crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have all passed away. Then the one seated on the throne, somebody shout, Jesus. He says, behold, I'm making all things new. Have you ever thought about what's not going to be in heaven? Now, we talk about heaven, right? And I got to be honest with you. 
It really doesn't matter to me that there are gates of pearl. I mean, I know when I get there, I'm going to be like, whoa, that's awesome. And, and, and that there's uh, streets of gold. You know, you've heard that, right? And it's like, oh, that's going to be awesome. But that's not what's going to make heaven heaven. I'll tell you what's going to make heaven heaven is Jesus is there. The one who loved you and died for you. But one day I was in worship and I was worshiping the Lord. And all of a sudden it came to my mind, what's not going to get through the gates? What's going to be just outside the gates? Have you ever thought about that? How many know that outside the gates is all the debt collectors? Not the individual, just the debts, all right? Because a debt collector can be saved, right? Just see Matthew, tax collector, he was one of Jesus's, right? So, so listen, there, there gonna be, there's not going to be any debt in heaven, no bills in heaven. Somebody ought to shout it by now and said, oh, thank God for that, right? All right? Everybody that shouted was the people that's in debt, right? So everybody else is like, cool, I'm not saying nothing. Hey, how many know, Jesus, how many know there's not going to be any hospital beds in heaven? Have you thought about that? How many know there's not going to be medication in heaven? It's not needed there, right? How many know there's not going to be any more sorrow in heaven? No Kleenexes. Kleenex factories going out of business in heaven. Amen. And the reason being is because all that stuff, none of that stuff gets in. God makes all things new, and it's going to be perfect. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be just the way God intended it to always be. That's the promise you have when you give your life to Christ. He's going to make all things new. How many believe John 14? If you know the verse, let's say it out loud together. Ready? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me and my Father's house are many mansions or rooms, whatever translation you memorize that by, it doesn't matter, it's just great big rooms and whatever it is, it's going to be pretty cool because God made it, amen? And in my father's house can be me mansions and if it were not so, I would have told you and if I go prepare a place for you and here's the good news, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Next week, I'm going to talk about the hope we have for the second coming of Jesus. Today, I want to tell you you've got hope beyond the grave. Next week, I want to tell you one day Jesus is coming back, okay? So don't miss next Sunday. That's what we're going to talk about. Because I want you to know this hope we have, and this hope is all because of Jesus Christ. In fact, I want you to know even the creation is waiting for that day. Look on your outline at Romans chapter 8. This is such a cool verse. Romans chapter 8, verse 19 Here's what Paul writes. He says, For the creation eagerly awaits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Now read the next three words. Ready? Go. In the hope. In what hope? In the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's. So I need you to understand that not only is there an innate desire inside of you to hope for heaven, creation hopes for heaven. Now I'm going to mess you up for a moment, but just real quick because I don't have time to preach this. But how many has ever ever read Revelation chapter 5 around the throne of God and they're singing around the throne of God and it kind of gives us a picture of what heaven's going to be like and have you ever noticed who is who's there at the throne the Bible says there's like tens of thousands upon thousands and upon tens of thousands right a number no man can number there are the angels there are the saved over the ages 
But, but I think this is so cool, and only God could do this. And then he says, and I also saw those that flew above the earth and that creeped upon the earth and those who swam under the water. And he says, and they're all represented. So the animal kingdom, right, is all represented around the throne. And then here's where he really messes people up. And, and John says, and behold, I heard them say, worthy is the lamb. Now, don't come to me after this. Don't email me and ask me if Fido made it to heaven. Because I don't know if Fido got there. We know there are no cats there, but I don't know about the dogs. I don't know. I'm teasing. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. But I do know this. Around the throne of God, everything God ever made is represented. And everything has a voice. And everything is singing. Worthy is the Lamb. How could that be? Because the curse of sin is going to one day be lifted off. And we can't even fathom what heaven's really going to be like. All I can tell you is this. It'll be just the way God always intended it to be for you. And I don't know if that does anything for you, but that makes me want to go there even more. No sickness, no sin, no sorrow, no death, no pain. And you know, I was reading just yesterday in the book of Isaiah how the little child is going to stretch its hands down in the viper's nest and it's going to pet a snake and not get bit. How the lion is going to lay down by the lamb. And it talks about even peace and all the animal kingdom. We don't even know what that looks like. We read it and we think, oh, that's just a bunch of uh, uh, sentimental hogwash, right? Written in the Bible. It's just poetry. No! When the curse of sin is lifted up one day up in heaven, friend, everything is going to be just exactly the way God intended it to be, and it's going to be amazing. And here's what the Bible says, that if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you have the hope to go there, and it can be reserved for you today in heaven. And this hope is only in, and I need you to write this down, it's in Jesus Christ. Number two in your outline, I want you to get a hold of this, Jesus is the path to eternal hope. Go back there to Colossians and look with me at verses five and six again. And so he says, hey folks, I have, because of this hope that is reserved for you in heaven, somebody shout, heaven's gonna be awesome. And because of this hope reserved for you in heaven, you have already heard about this hope. Now, when did they hear about the hope of heaven? When they heard the word of truth, say the next two words, the gospel. So I need you to understand the reason our church is so important. The reason studying the scriptures is so important. The reason God's not through with you yet. The reason you've got breath in your body today. Those of you who are followers of Jesus, I need you to understand God has given us the responsibility to take the message of the hope of the gospel to a world. We're to be light in the darkness. We're to be salt on the earth. And you and I have peace with the greatest hope the world is longing for. You have the message to tell the world. And it doesn't matter where you go in your life. It doesn't matter what jobs you have in your life. It doesn't matter what career choices. It doesn't matter where God takes you. Everywhere you go, listen to me. You are an ambassador for the hope of eternal life, the hope everyone's longing for. And you've got to understand it is sealed up in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is why you can never, never, never stop sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. 
Share it wherever you go. Share it in whatever you do. Be an ambassador for this hope because this is the hope everyone's looking for. But the reason not everyone has it is because there's only one place you can find this hope. The hope is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus. And if you get a hold of this hope, it'll transform your life. It'll change your life. In fact, uh, let's go on down and look at what he says. Look up at verse 4, and he's going to tell how this, Paul is going to say to this church, ever since you got a hold of this hope of the gospel, it has just changed you. How, can, how does this hope of eternal life transform our daily lives? Well, here's the first thing he does. Look at it, verse 4. He says, for we have heard of your faith. Circle the word faith. So how does the gospel impact your life? How does the hope of eternal life change the way a person lives? Well, the first thing it'll do for you is it'll help you live the rest of your life with faith. I mean, if God can bring his son up out of the grave, and somebody shout, I know he did, and if Jesus come out of the grave and give me the hope that one day the grave isn't the final word for me, how many know that if I can believe that, if I can believe I've got a home in heaven, then nothing I face on this side of the grave can compare to that. So now I can live with faith. I can live in faith. Hey, if God's already took care of my eternity, he can take care of my temporary. If God can take care of my eternity, he can take care of this little problem that I'm facing right now. And Paul says, I have heard about your faith. When I read that yesterday, this thought came to my mind. Chris, if people were to ask, were to be asked to write one paragraph about how your faith has transformed your life and people had to describe you by your faith, what would they write down? And so Paul was pretty excited. He says, man, I'm praying for you. I'm thanking God for you. I've heard about your faith. Here's the question we all need to ask ourselves. If our neighbors were asked to write about how our faith in Jesus has changed our lives, what would they put down on paper? And I, I gotta be honest with you, there's some things in my life now that I'm like, ooh, I need, to, I need to sharpen up a little bit. Come on, somebody. And, and every once in a while, uh, I need my neighbor to see I got faith when I think nothing's gonna work out. Because if he took care of the grave, surely he can take care of this problem. But sometimes I live and I get down in the dumps and I, and I act like God can't fix this. But I believe he can take me to heaven, but he can't fix this. Are you with me? Faith. All right, second is he says, I've heard about your love for the saints. Now, can I be honest with you? If you get a hold of eternal life and you really believe that God is going to take you to heaven someday, that's going to overwhelm you so much with the love of God, it's going to be transferred over to everybody you meet. And I have been pastoring for 27 years, so I've met these folks. I'm not going to give you their names. I have met folks who will come to church and tell me they're saved and on their way to heaven, and they love God, and when they get out of church, they're meaner than a junkyard dog to everybody else. <laughs> Have you ever met them? All right, let me tell you, Paul would say they need to go back and truly get saved. Because when you truly receive eternal life and you've got the hope of eternal life in you, you should be so overwhelmed by the love of God that it transfers over to everybody else. And Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35, all people will know you are my disciples by the way you love one another. 
You're not proving your Christianity by how thick your Bible is or how often you come to church, though you ought to be here every time we're here worshiping, right? I mean, because we get fed from each other. But I want you to know the way the world is convinced that you truly are who you say you are when you tell them you're a Christian is the way you love and treat other people. When you mess that up, they don't care about anything else you got to say. They're not listening to your theology if your theology isn't changing the way you love people. Well, that's deep right there, amen. Let me give you this third one. Paul goes on, look down at verse six. Down in verse six, he says, not only uh, will you have faith in Jesus, not only will you love one another, but in verse six, he says, and since you've come to this hope of this truth, this gospel, it's bearing fruit. It's growing all over the world. What's he talking about? He's saying now because you've got so much faith and love in you, you're influencing your community. You're influencing people everywhere. I'm hearing about you from another country. I'm hearing how you're transforming people's lives because your life is so overwhelmed by the love of Jesus. In fact, you're going to heaven someday and you're so overwhelmed that Jesus is inside of you Listen, here, you know why the church is the most influential people, uh, Christians are the most influential people on the planet? It's because if you truly believe that Jesus Christ has saved you and given you eternal life, everything else is far below that. And so if you have been approved of God and you've earned God's approval, you don't have to live your life for man's approval. Now you can be the influencer. You can walk into a room with confidence. You can walk onto a job with confidence. You can walk into a school with confidence. You can go into a marriage with confidence. You can raise your children with some confidence. Not in you, but in the God you serve. And you can say, if God loves me and God saved me and God's given me eternal life, there is greater is he that is in me than he that's in this world. Whatever I face now, God's going into that with me. And you become the influencer. You can influence society. I want to tell you, the Republicans do not have the answer. And the Democrats don't have the answer either. Neither do the socialists. Neither do the independents. Those men and women, boys and girls, whose lives have been transformed by Jesus who are living by faith every day that God's greater than whatever we face and loving one another with the love that God gives us are the men and women who are gonna influence this world with hope. And Paul says, look at this, verse six, your faith, your love, it's influencing, it's bearing fruit, it's growing all over the world. Now I added a fourth one and it didn't come out of this passage, but I believe you'll see that it, it fits. And the Apostle John wrote this one. Look on your outline, 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, and here's what he writes. He writes, and everyone who has this hope, somebody shout this hope, in him will do what? Circle it. Purify himself just as he is pure. So if you're overwhelmed by Jesus and you know that you're living for his approval, how many know that a student wants to be like their role model? 
And if Jesus is your role model, he's the only one you should be striving to be just like. And this verse says, here's what the fourth way, the hope of eternal life will impact us is that one day we know we're going to stand before the Lord and I don't want to disappoint the one who loved me and saved me and gives me eternal life. So I want to be just like him when I arrive. And so now in this life, I'm going to purify. I'm going to strive for holiness. Not so I can make it in. I want to strive for holiness because I've already been RSVP'd and I've got a home in heaven and one day I'm going to arrive and when I arrive before the one who paid my debt and gave me eternal life, I want to walk in and I want to see him go, ching good job, bro. I want to hear him say, you come a long way, baby. Amen? And if you've received the hope of eternal life, you're not getting there because you earned it. You're getting there because you received it by grace. And now you should desire to be as much like him as you can, and so you should strive to become holy. You should accept nothing less. Accept something less would be to degrade the one who saved you and gave you a home in heaven. Shout amen. amen. I got to give you this last one. And the reason we can live by faith and love and have uh, and, and influence our world. And the reason we can, we can strive to be holy is because here's what God's done for us. If you've received eternal life, if you've received Jesus, here's what he's done for you. Write this down. He has removed the fear. If you have the hope of eternal life, you don't have to live your life now in fear anymore. He has removed the fear. Look at Philippians chapter 3, and let's read this out loud together. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Read verse 21. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body, that by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Can you imagine that one day when Jesus Christ calls us home, he's going to take your body, he's going to transform it, and it's going to become made like unto his body. Can I give you another verse? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Will you read it out loud with me? Let's go. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Somebody shout victory over the grave. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Then we who are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so that we'll always be with the Lord. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when that day comes and the trumpet sounds and Jesus comes back for his bride? I'm telling you, no matter where you are, in that moment you're going to be transformed, changed, and caught up to meet the Lord in the air. I wish somebody would shout, ain't no grave going to hold this body down. And if you've got that hope inside you, no matter what comes your way, you don't have to fear it. Because God's already conquered man's greatest fear and gave you the hope of eternal life. How many have that hope today? If you have that hope, I dare you to take five seconds and give God a shout of praise in this house. Come on. You have that hope? You got that hope? 
You've got that hope? Give him a shout of praise. Say, thank you, Lord, for the hope of eternal life. In fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you just to bow your heads with me right where you're at. Lift up your hands and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for the hope of eternal life. You can face any storm. You can go through anything because you've got hope. You've got a purpose in this life. God, God left you here to get this gospel out. I want to tell you, Connection Point Church, I want our community to hear about our faith in Jesus, our love, and I want us to influence our community. Why and how? Influence them with the hope of eternal life because nothing else matters. It should drive everything we do. It, everything we do needs to be underlined by the hope that people are looking for, and you have, and I have. It's the hope of eternity. Thank you for joining us today for the Pursuit Podcast. For more content, to read our blog, watch past sermons, or find other great resources, check us out at chrisvaught.net, and then check us out on social media. Then tune in again next week, and we will open our Bibles and together pursue after the heart of God. Thank you again for joining us at The Pursuit.